Hello and welcome to the latest in a series of podcasts with the Leaders Performance Institute and our partners Conduct. I'm John Porch, the editor here at the Leaders Performance Institute. And over the course of this series, you can expect to hear from human performance experts from across the world discussing best practice, the role of performance data, and what the future of athlete and intelligence management systems might look like. In this episode, I chatted to Dave Anderson and Steve Guerra. Dave is the Chief Digital Officer at the Gaines Group, an innovation and data consultancy out of Los Angeles. And Steve is the company's Chief Executive. They both work with some of the biggest names in world sport. Steve is a long-term friend of leaders, and you may see him at our performance summits from time to time. He does a lot of moderating for us. And Dave gave a presentation at our Leader Sport Performance Summit in Chicago at Soldier Field two years ago. He's a former wide receiver himself, and he spoke on stage that day alongside Alex Mack, a centre of the Atlanta Falcons. It's through the prism of their work that they explained to me how data and athlete management systems can be used to make athletes faster, stronger and healthier. It's a fascinating chat, and I hope you'll enjoy this one. Dave Anderson and Steve Guerra, welcome to the Conduct Athlete Management Series podcast. It's great to have you guys on the line. Uh, we're happy to, happy to partake. Yeah, happy to do it. Now, legend has it, or at least your website has it, that you guys met in a bar in Los Angeles for a quick beer that turned into a few long ones. Many of us have been in that scenario, but not many of us walk away with such a big idea. You guys did. Gaines Group was born that night out of the conviction that the athlete is the story and that data is just a fuel for the storytellers. Well, perhaps you can bring your story up to date. How do you help teams to better use their fuel? Sure, I'll uh, I'll take the first stab at it and then uh, I'll let Steve join in. So I finished playing in the 2012 season and uh, went to graduate school and was basically a lost athlete in that I knew that I wanted to be in sports, but I wasn't exactly sure what I was going to be good at next, what I should do next, where I should spend my time and effort. The best thing about being an athlete is your schedule is determined and uh, you can just function like a very high priced piece of cattle. You know exactly where to go and when to go and how to, and what, what uh, success looks like. As I stepped away from sports, I didn't know what that looked like and um, that, that was always very hard for me and that business school fortunately gave me some guidance. After business school uh, or during business school, I joined Second Spectrum, and I started noticing that you know I could really uh, had a lot of interest in how this data was affecting teams and their decisions. Um, it was uh, helping them evaluate and evaluate and evaluate players, um, and it was it was getting turned into really interesting content. And so I just continued to seek people that were working with this data and, and technology throughout the space. And one person's name kept coming up as a, as a reference, and that was Steve Guerra. And so he was the person to know if you were working in Europe. He was the person to know if you were working in cycling. He was the guy to know if you had work, wanted to do something different in basketball or, or, uh, or whatever it was. His name kept coming up. So um, it was someone I know I needed to meet. Ironically, one of my fellow, uh, former teammates also ran into him at a uh, school that uh, he was teaching at. And so Steve and I got together. And we had this common bond, common shared interest and bond, which honestly is rare between a player and a coach, that the, the, the center of all of this data and technology is the athlete. And normally the coach thinks probably themselves or the game or something very theoretical. Um, but we, we had a common bond that, hey, the athlete needs to protect themselves. They need to understand 
and they need to ultimately take advantage and commercialize this data and technology opportunity. And with someone with that mindset that uh, wasn't a player, uh, I was very excited to hear. And then I, you know, come to find out that Steve's a Marine, so that's really where the common bond is, the people actually out there um, doing the work, the Marines and the athletes. So they always had a, a love and respect for each other. So um, Steve and I bonded over that, over the, the athlete being the, the center and the focus of all this data and technology ultimately informing and empowering them and kind of built our business off of that thesis and i just think that's something that the teams really respected on us having a stance it's certainly something that technology companies couldn't duplicate uh, having a player and a coach uh, on their side advocating for their tech and it was something and it's something that's really um, bonded us as well as people that kind of join our force uh, our forces as, as we kind of tackle this industry and that if we can if we can tell better stories about the athletes, the fans will follow, the money will follow, and that's just kind of uh, been the way we've operated. To to bring it current as to like how you know athlete management systems and or um, data storytelling is a part of the games group business um, and what we do for clubs is you know when we go back to the actual like the first couple projects that we worked on in this space for the IMG academies. Um, uh, the yeah, XFL, the yeah, world, yeah. NFLPA, a, a lot of those were all around like helping them just kind of understand, you know, how to aggregate their data and how to accumulate it, right? And and I think when you think about like where athlete management systems sit in the ecosystem is, you know, on the commercial side, teams have started to adopt, you know, CRM systems and enterprise level data um, systems that allow them to look at um, their entire commercial operations. Um, and that's where AMS is really kind of set, right? Is allowing, you know, trying to create a common language on the performance side. Um, and so we act, we've helped a number of different entities actually select um, their athlete management system. But that's as that, that's from the point of view of like, how do you actually have like a holistic strategy around how you're going to use this data as a storytelling device, right? Um, and then our our business has, has frankly actually evolved to how do you start to create new businesses off of all of this technology and data that has been, um, you know, just flooded the entire sports industry over the course of the last 10 years. Because when you think back to like the late 2000s, we started with the Moneyball um, evolution, right? And uh, people started to use data to make uh, better, more informed decisions or to try and find arbitrage events, right? And then it was really with the advent of uh, smartphones, specifically the iPhones. Like if you, you can actually trace back like the influx of sports technology and data, and see that the floodgates really opened a couple of years after the iPhone was introduced. Because now all of a sudden we had distribution systems, right? We actually had we had a conduit and a communication device in the hands of every single player and coach, um, and they were now empowered to actually look at all. This. And so AMS has started to popping up. You started to see computer vision start to speed up at that point. Um, and so over the last 10 years, we've just seen, you know, people just really, it's been an arms race to a certain degree. And, and for a lot of sports teams and properties, rather than um, sitting down and taking the time to like thoughtfully craft a strategy or a plan around how they integrate that technology and data into their practices, um, they honestly have let sales people and vendors just kind of like whoever briefs best. Uh, can typically like win the business and then whoever wins the business ends up determining what your technology and data strategy looks like for the next three years because you end up signing a three-year contract. Um, so we kind of reverse that and so a big part of our business at the outset was helping people 
in helping some of these teams and properties think thoughtfully about the way that they um, welcome new technology and new uh, third-party vendors into their ecosystem and how that fits into uh, their workflows. Um, but then now it's evolving into how do we now create more value from that? And how do we actually start to build new products and or new businesses off of um, this new technology and data that's being um, aggregated you know, through AMSs or through, through other systems? Because really when you think about sports as, a, as an entity, when you think about sports as an entity, there's really like three layers, right? You have the, in, the in, inner tribe is really built around players and then um, athletes um, and then the coaches. And then the outer layer, the next layer out, is, uh, is where your where you're, uh, team owner, where your commercial entities, and where um, anyone who's like working for the team kind of exists. And on the layer outside of that is where you have your fans. The most interesting stories, all right, and the most interesting ways to build um, new experiences for fans are going to emanate from that inner tribe, right, and from where the players and coaches sit. And so now being able to accumulate data and being able to tell stories with that data to the fans on the outside, that's where a lot of the real value in the future is going to come from. It's certainly a fascinating space. And it leads me to ask, can you point to some of the trends you've noticed in athlete management systems in recent years? And how did the challenges differ in nature from, say, 10 years ago? I would say that, you know, 10 years ago, like, like Steve mentioned, the smartphone uh, didn't exist and there wasn't ways to really tell these stories or get them in the hands of fans. So you're pretty much always limited by your uh, the last mile, as they say in technology, and the way you can tell the story, right? So it was always trying to get it on television, and then it was trying to get it on the internet. Um, and as soon as you had the smartphones, then you could actually get it in the hands of uh, every fan, so they can look up, investigate, and do it in their time and, and how they want them. So that was kind of, I, I think, how everything has changed in the last 10 minutes. That technology has all been, you know, it, it, it all has to work together. Um, and sometimes you're ahead of a wave because of certain things, and sometimes you're behind it. But because it was, uh, because all these things happened are, are, are now in place, it's a lot easier to tell those, extract those stories and tell those stories. And do you notice different trends between different sports? I think, well, everyone's trying to win. Uh, so that's obviously the common thing. So they're trying to find more objective ways to identify what they do. Um, trends are different based on, like, coaching styles, uh, that th those are uh, something that I would say coaches are looking for different trends, even what they do, that everyone wants to study historically what they've done and try to learn and make better coaching decisions. But, I mean, the the, the most obvious is just everyone's, everyone's trying to win and then everyone's trying to entertain fans in new ways. You know, everyone wants to talk about how the attention span of, the attention span of a fan has changed and that this can uh, attract new fans and or entertain them in new ways. So I think everyone's trying to use technology to do that. But in terms of uh, commonalities, I'd say it's definitely everyone wants to win. And, and if you can help teams win, uh, they'll always let you in the door. But the sport, is there, there's definitely a good amount of variance from sport to sport, right? So when you think of like super technical sports like cycling, right? Like they use personal level data and then training data to a whole other degree than like a, a sport like American football will. American football kind of aggregates and then makes some general assumptions about their player population, whereas like with cycling, it all gets driven down to a very, very personalized level. Um, so in some respects, like the more technical a sport is, the more technical 
um, kind of use cases you're going to actually have as far as using any information, um, including your player performance data. Um, and the more kind of complex, um, the longer it's going to take, like American football, the more complex that sport is, the more it's going to be about making like kind of some generalizations and then driving into and trying to find value around personalization um, over time. Back to the conversation in a moment, but first a quick word about Conduct. Regardless of whether you're a coach just trying to track and train your athletes, or a performance director leading multiple staff and juggling a variety of data sources, Conduct's athlete intelligence and management systems will help you better understand your athletes to drive improved performance. Conduct's broad range of tools allows you to consolidate various data sources, analyze the information for actionable insights, collaborate on programming across multiple departments or locations, and deliver that plan for a variety of athlete-facing engagement solutions. Find out what hundreds of elite sports organizations already know and let Kinduct help provide you with the right information, with the right tools, at the right time to help inform your decisions. For more information, check out Kinduct.com. And now, back to the Kinduct Athlete Management Series. Gentlemen, I wanted to kick off the second half by asking you how you will work with a team. So can you give me an overview of how you'll work with a team to address certain issues or answer certain questions? Let me give you an example of how um, a couple of uh, real life case uses. So one, um, and I'm going to start from the commercial side. So one was um, FC Barcelona. Um, we were engaged, we've been engaged with them, working with them for about three years now. Um, about a year and a half ago, they asked us, how can you use player performance data to try and create fan-facing products? And so we took a subset of their data and then we um, started, we, we found a number of different, what we would term like data artists that actually create visualizations using that data. So that could be everything from like taking player tracking data and then creating um, uh, music with it, all right? And actually like using the X, Y, Z coordinate data um, to create essentially like a, a syntax and a structure for a musical beat. It could be taking that player tracking data and then creating like unique visualizations like Think of, uh, think of the way that um, uh, teams move around spatially um, on a football pitch. And now you can actually take the pitch and start to actually move the pitch around as if it's a, uh, like a circular dial, right? Um, so trying to create like new visualizations with, with these data, with, with some of the tracking data was one of the remits that we had. Um, another one would be um, some of the work that Dave was doing with the NFLPA, which is like, how do we actually take some of the player performance data and start to actually build profiles for each position group um, and start to understand, like, you know, if you could rack and stack the, um, uh, all the NFL wide receivers, like, could we actually start to drill into um, some, of the, some of the ways that they perform on the field and into some unique ways? So another, another case here would be XFL. So with the XFL over this past summer, one of the things that we did with them was what we refer to as the X-factor drills which is, so you, you have a, a, uh, um, a player and a coach. They'll use terms like you have good burst, you have good explosion, you have a good change of direction, right? Until this day, no one's really been able to quantify like what that really means because it's really all in the coach's eye. But what you can do now is you can actually take an, a, a GPS sensor or some sort of accelerometer sensor, put it on an athlete, um, watch them run a route, and then time, basically create a, a, a time event management uh, protocol that allows you then to see the exact like one and a half seconds that they were engaged in the quote unquote burst 
and we can see how quickly they actually accelerated in that space. All right, and so that, that's different ways that you can actually start to take um, some of this data and then start to drive value with it. You know, and I think that's going to be one of the big frontiers in the future is how do we take some of the qualitative ways that we talk about the game and start to put some numbers to it. I want to return to the future of athlete management systems in a moment, but first I wanted to ask, what is the biggest challenge to you guys going about your work? Is it before or after you get in the building? Uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's a pretty loaded question. Um, <laughs> it depends on, the, depends on who it is, right? It depends on who it is. So honestly, like when you think about this entire space right now, there are really like three types of teams. Teams that have been exploring this space for probably anywhere between 10 some odd years, maybe maybe eight to 10 years, who have matured, learned, and kind of gone through the entire cycle of, you know, mistakes, failures, successes, mistakes, failures, successes, and they're now to a point where they're starting to trade on this information and starting to build new, really, like, brand new value from this information, right? So that's one subset of teams, and there's very few of them. The next subset of teams um, in the middle kind of layer are the ones who are just starting to go through that maturation and learning process, right? Um, and they're just now starting to, like, you know, think about things like GPS or think about things like athlete management systems. And they're really, it, it's a mix of, like, learning how they're going to um, use this information in the future or how they're going to use it today. And then you have, like, the, the laggards, right? You have your laggards who are kind of sitting out there and, and they really just need someone to completely build the system and or the strategy for them um, from soup to nuts. Um, so all three of those, like when you think about like, you know, what's the toughest part of the job when you walk into the building, it's different for all of those. For, for people who are laggard, it's, there's a lot of education, yeah. right? And there's a lot of actually baking the entire plan for them and then selling it from owner, CEO, down to SMC. For that middle layer, it really just becomes about um, trying to actually show them value, trying to actually get them early stage wins. Um, and so that you have to be really, really thoughtful about how you actually roll things out because it, it, sports, you have to win. Sports is not Amazon, all right? We talk about trying to fail, fail fast, right? Fail fast, yes, but you can't fail often inside of sports because sports is a zero-sum game for the most part culturally. And then on the last, you know, so, so for them, it's really about like, it's probably like while you're in the building because you have to win while you're in the building, right? You have to actually show progress while you're in the building. Um, and so it's just different. It's just different um, depending upon where the, where specific teams and or clients are um, in their cycle of maturity. Almost like there's people that just want answers. Those are that first bucket. There's people that are like looking for good questions. That's that second bucket. And like Steve said, there's a, that third bucket is people of like education. How does each and every case or client evolve your understanding of athlete management systems? Does big data still have the capacity to surprise you? Are you still learning? Yeah, I can tell you. Um, so I did, uh, like I was mentioning with Second Spectrum, a lot of computer vision tracking. Um, and so Steve and I have been working with the XFL, which is uh, more, they're working on installing and doing tracking stuff too. And I'm learning more, more about how to install it in football stadiums and what comes along with that and the server costs and all of the things that really go into the hardware aspect of collecting the data. I've been always kind of a more of a software guy um, my whole kind of career thus far. And so really learning about how that data is extracted and, and the costs associated with that, which in turn then affects what you can do software-wise. So yeah, we're, we're constantly learning about different aspects uh, and it's impossible to stay ahead of all technology. We're always uh, learning about uh, someone with a new device or a, 
um, a new system or a new process, and uh, it, it, that's what keeps it fun, but it also keeps it challenging in that you think you got the right advice, and hey, use this system, and then you turn around and there's a better one right behind you. So that's always the, uh, the problem and the fun in technology. On to my final question, gentlemen, an area you've already touched upon. What trends should we be keeping an eye out for in athlete management systems as we move into 2020 and beyond? You know, I think um, on one hand, you still, we're, we're, it's still very early. You know, we're, we're literally, when you think about sports as an industry, it's, you know, modern sports is roughly 100 years old. Um, professional sports on TV is roughly, you know, 60, 70 years old. Um, professionalized sports is roughly 15, 20 years old, right? Um, so uh, this, this entire space is, is still very, very young, right? And then when you think about the way technology and data is being used, God, we're really still in like the first couple of, we're really still in the first inning to use a, a baseball reference. Um, so there's still a lot of learning that has to happen. I think in the future, in the very near future, you're going to start to see people actually start to use some of this um, data that's being stored in athlete management systems to start enhancing the way broadcasters talk about the game, um, to start enhancing um, some of the ways that um, uh, sponsors and commercial assets are created around it. So to give you an example, like Amazon is using um, PFF data, so pro football focus data um, with the NFL in order to basically accumulate and, and create a um, athlete or coach uh, decision of the week award, right? And so if you think back to the NFL, you think back to the FedEx Air Ground Athlete of the Week. So you had a quarterback um, who, uh, who was you know, named like the Athlete of the Week, and then you had a running back who was named Athlete of the Week as well. Um, and it was sponsored by FedEx. I think you're going to start to see more of that, and you're starting to start to hopefully see um, some leagues actually start to use data in, in new ways to tell a story around new interesting um, and novel statistics. Um, aside from that, I think really we're, it's still so early that we need to start seeing um, some teams and leagues uh, start working together in order to mine and look at their data across um, sports and player populations. Um, so that we can start to really understand, like, what does dynamic athleticism look? Um, if you're just a good athlete, like, we, when I was with the Chargers, we used to talk about, you know, all the time with Philip Rivers and Antonio Gates that literally the best players on the field for the Chargers in the 2009-2012 period were players who were just great athletes, period, right? They would have been good at basketball. They would have been great at um, other sports. And so, Getting a, an understanding of that using some of this uh, data, I think, is the, is the next frontier as well. I would say the communication of the information, too, and that that's going to come in a couple different forms. So if you're talking about directly with an AMS, like uh, the tools being built to allow them to communicate, right? Too often people are using line charts or bar charts or pie charts. Well, that's not how coaches communicate. They communicate through film. They communicate through uh, through scouting reports and, and different types of visualization. So it's, make, uh, it's making that data flexible enough to uh, communicate in a way that the coaches already talk to each other. And so I think you're going to start to see new visualization tools. You're going to start to see new integrations to video. You're going to start to see how data is uh, kind of uh, cut, spliced, and edited uh, into uh, scouting reports. And I think that ultimately that's going to allow uh, coaches to integrate uh, and communicate that information to a player and then that player can uh, put that into practice. It's certainly a very exciting space. Dave Anderson, Steve Guerra, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thanks, John. Good day.